This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Go ahead. Um, somebody asked, sometimes you have something that you need to talk about with your spouse, like to vent or release it, and it's something private in nature that can only be discussed with your spouse. Yeah. But talking about these things may trigger your spouse and end up in, like estranging you. What do you do? Okay. So I, I think it's such a good question. I, 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 I haven't, I don't know if this person realizes the, the depth of the question that's being asked. I think that specifically for women, one of the hardest, um, skills to develop is the ability to ask your spouse things or confront your spouse. I'm not talking about that they did something wrong, but to verbalize your needs, a lacking, something that's off in your relationship in a way that does not alienate your spouse, that you get closer to your spouse. It's a skill that is not intuitive because when we're children, we're generally, we, we stomp our feet and we give everyone the silent treatment or we raise our voice or we pout our lips and we walk into the other room and we slam the door and then we open the door and we slam it again because we make sure that everybody knows how angry we are and we think, now I'm going to get what I want. That's not how it works in the real world. It doesn't work like that in the business world. It doesn't work like that in any relationship. It doesn't work that way. So the ability to have an adult conversation is not so common amongst adults to be able to say, I feel this, or I would like this, or can you do this? Or can we talk about this? And there's real skills that take time sometimes to develop, um, to be able to communicate what you need or a lacking or a fear or an emotion without it, it triggering the other person to just lash out at you or to feel that you're lashing out at them. This skill is it, it literally something which some people have intuitive, but I would say probably maybe less than 5% of people have that. Most people, they go through this learning curve throughout Shana Rishayna and the first few years and then decades of their marriage to learn, like, I don't have to yell. I don't have to scream. I can just simply say what I want. And I can say it in a way where my spouse actually knows that I love them and I care for them. And I want our marriage to be better. And I think that the, the, the key is that you're communicating what your marriage needs. Our marriage needs this. Like, I feel like we could use a little bit more time together. For example, I feel like we could use a little more time together. Or, you know, this is very hard for me. This is not a, nothing to do with you. You're doing an amazing job. But like th- this particular challenge is very hard for me. It's hard for me that I'm going through this Nisayan right now. To be able to say that and then the person, without it becoming a thing between the two people, I find that when I sit with couples, very often it's almost like Google Translate in the sense that like, they're talking to each other, but they're screaming at each other. And then I'll say, okay, so talk to me. And then the wife will turn to me and she'll say, this guy doesn't get it. And I'm like, what, what doesn't he, he just doesn't understand. And then she'll tell me what, she, so I'll say, okay, let me Google translate this for you. Okay. And I'll say, so I'll say to the husband, like, do you understand that? Like, you know, your marriage can use X, Y, and Z. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. So you're willing to do it. Oh yeah, sure. So then wh- why were you guys killing each other for the last 10 years? The answer is because he never heard those words from his wife. What he heard from his wife is, you're a failure, you're a loser, you're a low life, you're terrible, you're malicious, you're the worst person to ever exist, you're just like your father, you're just like your grandfather, this is in your DNA, you're never going to change, you're a failure. So the guy's like, oh, okay. He already, the minute you said failure, you already lost him. He's not even listening to one more word you're saying. So that a person like that's not going to be willing to change because they're not hearing a request for change. They're hearing a criticism. And we think that criticism is what gets us what we want. It very rarely gets you the desired result. And even when it does, the result is very, let's call it nechayshas. It's very copper. 
it's given very reluctantly. Yeah, you twisted my arm, you scream and yelled at me, right? So now, okay, fine. Now I'll write you a card how much I appreciate you. Okay, yeah, very nice. There's no emotion going into this card, right? Oh, now I'm going to go take you on a date. That's not going to happen because I don't really feel very close with you right now, right? The, the idea to be able to communicate in a loving way, either something that you're going through or something that may be some sort of challenge without your spouse feeling that they're the, they're the, the target of your attack is really a skill that I think everybody needs to sort of hone, you know, within, 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 within their marriage. And I think some people develop a, a way of dealing things where they just hide under the blanket. They don't actually deal with things, meaning they just go, oh, it's not worth the fight. I'll just swallow it and I'll just become resentful over time. Some people just never learn. They're always yelling and screaming and fighting over the same pettiness because they can't verbalize it in a way that just doesn't work. And some people, they learn to adapt and figure out how do I have a conversation where there's no, it's not, it's not me versus you, but it's rather us together versus the world. It's us together that our relationship needs certain elements in there. So I know I'm not giving a specific skill, something that sometimes needs, you know, to actually be hashed out in, in person. But the idea is something which I think is, is so profound. And I'd say this is probably one of the top, I would say this is probably one of the top three things that a person should focus on in marriage. This one idea, the ability to speak to your spouse about things that are uncomfortable in a way that it will be heard, not feel that they're under attack, drastically change any relationship. Yeah? Yeah, grab it, grab the mic over here. Grab it. You don't want to? Okay, fine, sure. So, okay, so to par- okay, so let's paraphrase your question. Let's say you have somebody, right? Who they know what's needed. They're not, they're not, they're the most loving wife in the world, right? They're the most loving wife, but their, their husband, for example, is not, he's not functioning. He's not doing what needs to happen in the house. So A, or vice versa, 100% could be the husband turning. It's very rare, by the way. I've never seen a wife that just like stays in bed. It's, it's, I don't know why. It's, it's, it, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Fine. We won't get into this. But anyways, okay. Fine. But the, the point that I'm driving at is, the point that I'm driving at is that <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> the point that I'm driving at is that sometimes that conversation will go over well, meaning let's, let's, let's put this on a spectrum, right? In, in many cases, let's call it like Ruba de Ruba of cases where there's an issue and it's said in the right way. It will oftentimes be heard. You have a person who's just not functioning. Let's call it they're not functioning. They're just laying in bed looking up at the ceiling. Sometimes you, a person like that does need more serious intervention, but that intervention comes with a certain amount of love. Intervention can be, can we go, can we go sit down with a rough together? Can we meet with a third party? Or like, I really need to talk to you. I love you. You're amazing. You're wonderful. But like, we really need some change over here. We really need some help over here. So I, I deal with many couples that I would I would classify. I think if anybody was looking from an outside, they would say this is dysfunctional. The house is not functional. People are not functioning. They might be just laying in bed. Like you said, like they're just not doing anything proactive in their life. Oftentimes when either, like we spoke about at the end of last, last class, either with a retroactive look, what is causing me to not function? I have depression, anxiety, whatever the case may be. Or sometimes from that forward looking side where a person says like, Hey, like, let's go get out of bed, get productive, you know, stop doing some of the things that are keeping you just drowsy or lazy, whatever it is throughout your day and, and get yourself productive. Oftentimes that that actually works. So you're right within the spectrum. There's always that 15% or 20, whatever the number is where a nice conversation doesn't get you somewhere. But then even when you're having a harder conversation, if it's still done with love, 
then your spouse doesn't feel like you're like you're the bad one. It's I, I find it very fascinating that I oftentimes am the beer of very bad news to people. I say to them, what you thought to be a fact that you were a good spouse for the last 30 years is not factual. You were terrible, right? But I, it's done in a way where it's not a criticism. It's let me help you. It's like, imagine somebody goes to a nutritionist when they're 50, all right? And they're 100 pounds overweight. And the nutritionist turns to them and says, I love you. You're amazing. I want to help you get into good shape, right? You'll live longer. You'll feel great. You'll have more energy. The person doesn't look at the nutritionist and go like, you just like my mother. They don't do that, right? You're there willingly. You need the help. And then they're able to show you like, by the way, you know, cut out 80% of the garbage that you're eating and don't mix these foods together and smart choices or whatever it is that nutritionists tell people. Then the person transforms their life. They actually love and appreciate what the nutritionist did for them. Think about every every basketball player. They love their coach more than their own parents. They're like, you made me great. You pushed my limits. You actually made me, you made me, me. You know what I'm saying? Michael Jordan and all these like successful athletes, the people that are on the top of the world, these people forget their own parents, their coaches, the people who, who, who drilled them, waking, waking them up at three o'clock in the morning with ice water and was like, let's go keep running, keep pushing. They love that person because that person brought out greatness in them. So. I think that where a lot of spouses get stuck is that when they're, when they're, when their spouse is stuck, they, because of their own frustration and because their own emotional needs or physical needs are not being met, it turns into like a criticism and you're, you're a failure and you're terrible. But that's not what a coach does. That's not what a nutritionist does, right? Nobody goes to a nutritionist and a nutritionist puts the person down. They don't do that. They go, let me help you help you. Let me help you get the skills that you need to live your life to its fullest. There's a, there, there's a subtlety here. You have to just make sure you're on the American side of the fence. If you cross over the border and you're not on the right side of the fence and it becomes critical, it becomes about you, then oftentimes the person's like, oh, I see your motivation here. You don't really care about me. You care about you. And I'm the cause of your pain. Oh, okay. I'm going to just go back to sleep. I can't handle this. It's too much for me. Yeah? So it... it, it takes navigating to be able to do that and obviously you need a person who's willing to do it as well and if it's not getting somewhere then a person needs specific hadracha but in a general sense yeah yeah sure uh, what should a woman do to learn to get more comfortable to ask her husband or other people to do things L- like learning how to delegate how to ask Okay, I think that part of asking, and I'll, I'll use the word delegating because I think that it's, it's, no, really, I'm, I think it's one and the same. It is a skill. We are, first of all, let's go slow. I think every person, you know, even the Gemara talks about how the Tanayim and Amirayim, they used to help around the house. Not, they would, they weren't talking about Rabbi Akiva, right? That he went to visit his Talmud who was sick and he walked around the house and he was sweeping the floor and he was like, this is what the, this is what the Talmud needs. Right? And his Talmud turned to him and he said, Rebbe, you, you brought me back to life. The fact that the house is clean and it's airy and it's not, not garbage sitting around, you gave me life. This was Rebbe Akiva, the great Rebbe Akiva. This wasn't when he was, before he was Rebbe Akiva. This was after he was Rebbe Akiva. So there, there's no such thing as something being beneath somebody else. If a woman needs help around the house, to turn to her husband and say, hey, do you mind? Can you grab a broom? You know, or, or can we do the dishes together? Or can we take this out together? I think a lot of times people, people, I'll go back to this. Sometimes people feel like you're dumping things on them and you're throwing things at them or you're criticizing them. Oh, you don't do anything around the house. I hear this from people all the time. My husband does nothing around the house. Okay, so ask him to do something. 
You never do anything around the house. <laughs> he's like, I, he's like, I'm out. I'm out. Right. The way you talk to me, I, I'm, I'm gone. Like the minute, again, I'm not saying it's the right thing, but he's not hearing a word you're saying. He's not hearing. I need help around the house and you are my husband. Please help me around the house. What he's hearing is you are a failure and there's nothing that men hate more than being a failure. Adam la'amal yulad, men were created to feel successful, to work and to accomplish, to feel successful. When you, when you, when you take a step back and you take a picture and you go, wow, this was my picture. You do a tax return. This is my tax return. You plant, you plow a field and you look at it. This is my crop. You, you finish a, a masakta and you go, I'm making a siyam. For a man, that is the ultimate success. The ultimate success is a guy standing back and saying, I feel successful. It, 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 it could be getting a, ba- a ball into a basket. It could be raking the leaves. It could be anything where a man feels successful. Look around at the things that the people you, you, you love and care about. It could be your father, your son, your husband, your brother. Look at the things that give them the most energy. Look at it. It's always going to be something that they're good at or they think that they're good at. Sometimes they're not so good at, you know, but, but the thing that they're, that they think they're good at, right? It, it could be that they're, that they're singing into a microphone in, in, in the shower. It, it could be whatever it is. They're, when they're throwing themselves into something, why? Cause they feel successful. So it comes along a spouse and they say, well, <laughs> sorry to rude awakening. You're not really such, such a success. You're a complete failure in this area. Be better. Right? They don't hear the be better part. They hear you're a complete failure. So what do they do? Oftentimes they leave. And I'm not condoning this. I'm not saying it's the right move. But when a person feels that that's what's conveyed to them, they very often, they, they check out. I know I'm very fixated on this one point because I think it's, a, it's, I see it so much and I see the mirroring where when I'll sit with a couple, I'll say, now let me try this for you. Okay. Let me, let me help you. Right. Hey, do you realize that like your, your family needs some help around the house on Friday? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. What can you contribute? Well, I could set the table. Oh, what else? I could, I could, I could do anything. <laughs> oh, great. So then what's the problem? There's no problem. Men can do a lot. You can't generalize half the population and say that they can't, right? Many men cook. Many men are chefs. Many men clean. And, and you could do it on, you could do it on, right. You don't, you don't do it. I was going to say, you don't do it. You don't do it an hour before Shabbos, right? Because then you're going to be very frustrated. But over a series of weeks, yes, you can get people to do that. I've had men in their 50s and 60s, okay, start helping around the house for the first time in their lives, okay? Where the wives say, oh, this guy can't do dishes. Oh, he breaks everything. Oh, he's two left hands. And within a few weeks, the guy's doing the dishes. He's setting the table. He's cooking. He's making the challenge. He's sweeping the floor. What happened? All of a sudden, he learned how to do things. Where, where does the skill come from? You're either born with it or you're not born with it. The answer is no. Anything that you're successful in in your life, you practice, you do it again and again and again. And somebody encouraged you and told you, yeah, you're a success. Think about your, your, if you have a five-year-old child, right? You say to them, could you sweep the floor? They're going to miss half the crumbs, right? You turn to them and say to them, you failure. This is a disaster. If it was two minutes to Shabbos, I would have grabbed the broom and thrown you into your room. Or you say to them, wow, Shefala, you're amazing. You're incredible. And then the next week and the next week, by the time that Shefala is 25 years old, they're doing an amazing job. It doesn't take 20 years, by the way. They do it even before that, right? Because there's encouragement and the kid feels like a success. You go, you are amazing. High five. Bam. The kid feels great. If it, it, it's not any different, it's not any, it's not any different for, for a person who doesn't feel successful in any area of their life. If they practice at something, they will be successful. There's a man that I know that from the day that he turned 60, 
he 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 said at his 60th birthday, he said, from now on, every year, I'm taking on a new skill, something that I can never do in my life. One year, it was photography. This man became like a master photographer. The next year, he took guitar. He became a master guitar guitarist. He was like retiring, and he said, this is what I'm doing. And it was part of his thing was he wanted his brain to be sharp, and part of it was that he wanted to show himself, I'm... I'm, I'm getting older, but I'm not getting older. I, I, I could still learn things. I could still program my mind to learn stuff. We write people off. We go across the board. You can't, you can't. Oh, calm down. You're married for five minutes. You're married for five years. Your spouse can change. Your spouse can grow. Your spouse can develop. Every single person, if your person needs help and they're not getting the help that they need, they have to look at their approach and then the ongoing support that they're giving the person. You tell your husband to, to wash the dishes and he doesn't do a good job. And you go, oh, you see, you never wash the dishes, right? That's the last time the guy's going to wash the dishes. Just like the first time any wife got a card from their husband, they looked at it, they tried not to laugh, and then they go, <laughs> that's a card. Okay, right? But if you're smart, you were like, wow, it's so meaningful. And then 25 years later, you're still getting cards. And those cards are cards that actually are meaningful. You taught a yeshiva bacher who never met a girl in his life, you taught him how to develop a skill. Because you're a woman and you're smart. And instead of going, uh, this is not how it is. Let me show you, Shafel, okay? Failure. Okay, here's how you do it, failure. Okay, the guy's like, okay, I'm never writing a card again in my life, right? I think that people are very smart. And the, the guy, the yeshiva bacher who's writing a card, he knows it's not the greatest card in the world. And the guy who's leaving half the dishes, you know, with the challenge on it, he knows he didn't do the greatest job in the world. It's not that you, it's not that you give across a false sense of accomplishment. It's that you you sincerely appreciate what they did and the effort that they put in. And then you, you, you can then say, wow, thank you so much. You really started me off. Now let me actually go ahead and, you know what I'm saying? I mean it seriously, right? And the person's like, wow, amazing, thank you. And you do it together with them and they feel loved and, and appreciated and accomplished. That's how a person comes out of it and goes, wow, I, I feel great. I feel great. And then and, and say to them, could you start me off with the dishes again? Right? Don't put them away because they're not going to be ready to go in the drawer yet, right? But, but, but do what you did last week and do what you did again. I guarantee you after five to ten times, your dishes, half of them could go back in the drawer. It's something, right? You have an adult, an adult sweep the floor five to ten times. After the tenth time, the floor will be 80 to 90 percent swept. A hundred percent? No. But you're getting somewhere. You're building something. That's what I'm saying. I think so many people, they're, they're so critical. You put the person down. So they're like, why am I doing this? In my office, they tell me I'm a rock star, right? In, in shul, they think I'm amazing. Everywhere I go other than here, I'm a success. And then in my own home, I'm a failure. Okay, so in my own home, I will tiptoe around and quietly eat my food, tell you how great you are, but I'm not, I'm not, it's not going to go past that. A person can get so much out of their family. Your child can play violin, but they can't. Of course they can't because nobody born playing violin. But if you want your kid to play violin, he could. Doesn't mean that he's a natural born violinist. But but you want your kid to develop a skill, you can make them and help them and encourage them to develop that skill. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.